I'm Nancy Cavey, a National ERISA and Individual Disability Attorney. Welcome to Winning Isn't Easy. Before we get started, I have to give you a legal disclaimer. This podcast is not legal advice. The Florida Bar Association says I have to say this, so I've said it. But nothing prevents me from giving you an easy-to-understand overview of the disability insurance world, the games that carriers play, and what you need to know to get the disability benefits you deserve. So off we go. In this episode, I'm going to talk about Liberty Mutual, known as Slippery Mutual. Unfortunately, many disability insurance carriers like Liberty Mutual aren't in the business of keeping the promises they made to you when you purchased your disability insurance policy. Unfortunately, things haven't changed since Lincoln National purchased Liberty Mutual's Disability Insurance Book of Business in May of 2018. As a matter of clarification, I'm still going to use the name Liberty Mutual. Why? Lincoln National kept all of Liberty Mutual employees and Liberty Mutual's business model. We had hoped that the claims handling process used by Lincoln would have been used by Liberty in these cases, but unfortunately that has not happened. So I'm going to be talking about how Liberty uses the game of whack-a-mole to deny claims, Liberty's moving target games and its failure to consider all of the disabling medical conditions. The myths that Liberty Mutual Disability Insurance policyholders believe about their Liberty Mutual Disability Insurance and the truth, and the story of how Mr. Zayski overcame a wrongful Liberty denial based on an alleged lack of objective basis for the restrictions and limitations assigned by his doctors. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll get started. Stay tuned. Have you been robbed of your peace of mind from your disability insurance carrier? You owe it to yourself to get a copy of Robbed of Your Peace of Mind, which provides you with everything you need to know about the long-term disability claim process. Request your free copy of the book at kvlaw.com today. Ready to go? Let's talk about how Liberty uses the game of whack-a-mole to deny claims and Liberty's moving target games and its failure to consider all disabling medical conditions. I think that one of Liberty's favorite games is whack-a-mole. You remember that game where you would whack the mole and it would pop up somewhere else on the game board? Liberty's perfected that game. Let me give you the case of Suzon versus PNC Financial Services Group. It's a perfect example of the whack-a-mole game when it comes to Liberty's failure to consider all of the medical conditions and their moving target occupational analysis. This person was a financial analyst who participated in PNC's long-term disability plan. She stopped working because of a bipolar disorder for which she was psychiatrically hospitalized. Now, when she was discharged from the psychiatric hospital, her doctors opined that she could not work, not only because of her bipolar disorder, but because of fibromyalgia. So Liberty paid her her short-term disability benefits and her long-term disability benefits based on psychiatric problems only. She had told Liberty that she had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and her medical records did document lumbar spondylosis, degenerative cervical findings, and a disc protrusion at C5, 6, 7. And so there were at least a number of, of physical medical conditions that were the basis of her claim for disability benefits. 
So Liberty had her file reviewed by a Dr. Katherine Siebel, who had difficulty reading the records she was supplied by Liberty. Unfortunately, Dr. Siebel didn't speak with the treating physicians and opined that the records did not support any psychiatric diagnosis, despite the fact that she had a psychiatric hospitalization. The treating psychiatrist wrote a report disagreeing with Dr. Siebel's findings and provided Liberty with an explanation of the findings together with updated medical records. Whacked one mole. So then Liberty decided they were going to get a second review by Dr. Ratter, who confirmed the bipolar diagnosis, but he concluded that the medical records did not contain sufficient information regarding the occurrence of the symptoms, direct observation by providers of the mental status examinations, and information to support any impairment from a bipolar disorder. Now, Ratter actually spoke with a treating psychiatrist who disagreed in writing with Ratter's conclusions and recommended that uh, Ms. Hassan be seen by a pain specialist. So we whacked a second mole. Liberty then had a third review by Dr. Sidhu, a family medicine provider who opined that none of her physical impairments caused any type of restrictions and limitations, nor were there any objective findings of abnormality based on exam findings or diagnostic studies. Dr. Sidhu didn't think that any of the disc pathology caused any impairment and that there were no side effects of medication. So guess what? Liberty upheld the claim denial based on the bipolar and cognitive issues. So what happened next? Well, she filed an appeal that included her updated medical records, test results, including an EMG and nerve conduction studies of her upper extremity, which revealed carpal tunnel syndrome, an MRI of her right and left shoulder, a neuropsychological report, medication change information, updated attending physician statement forms, and an audio recording of the treating psychiatrist reading his records. Okay, she whacked a third mole. Well, guess what? On appeal, Liberty had her file reviewed by Dr. Panzer, a psychiatrist, and Dr. Klein, a physical medicine and pain management provider. Panzer spoke with a neuropsychologist who opined that there was no functional or cognitive impairment. And as a result, Panzer in turn opined that there were no restrictions and limitations as a result of bipolar or cognitive issues. Klein spoke to several of the other medical providers who were treating her multiple medical conditions, and they were advised that she could perform her own occupation. Liberty obtained then an occupational analysis on the same day as the claim was denied, but that analysis failed to address the carpal tunnel syndrome's impact on her ability to perform her own occupation, which required repetitive use of her hand with handling and fingering. Now, that was pretty sneaky, wasn't it? She filed a lawsuit, and the case was decided under what's called the arbitrary and capricious standard of review. Susan argued that Liberty kept on moving the target with its occupational analysis without giving her an opportunity to respond and failed to consider both her shoulder and her carpal tunnel issues. The court agreed. But unfortunately, the court rejected the argument that Liberty had improperly relied on the peer review providers over that of the treating physicians. And that's not uncommon. But the court, as I said, held that Liberty acted arbitrary and capriciously by failing to address the carpal tunnel and the shoulder issues and failing to give Susan an opportunity to respond. Liberty lost its game of whack-a-mole. Hopefully, you can see 
how disability carriers like Liberty Mutual keep on changing what they want, how they want it, who they want it from, and the impact of, of the information that they get. They just keep on changing the target. In the next segment, I'm going to talk about some myth busting involving Liberty claims. So stay tuned. Welcome back. We're going to talk about the myths that Liberty Mutual disability insurance policyholders believe about their policy and the truth. Now, my job is to be a myth buster and talk with you about the games that disability insurance carriers play to delay or deny your benefits. And their carriers like Liberty Mutual who engage in these games every day, day in and day out. So what's today's myth? The myth is that a judge is not bound by Liberty's claim denial. It can make their own independent decision. So I'm going to talk with you about taking on Liberty Mutual in court and filing a lawsuit to get the disability benefits you deserve. Now, if Liberty denies your administrative appeal, your only choice is to file a lawsuit before the time limit for filing that suit expires. As I've pointed out in the past, if you have an ERISA disability policy, you have to file that lawsuit in federal court. A federal judge is going to decide your case based solely on what's in the file at the time of the last claims denial. In an ERISA case, there's little discovery, no trial, and decisions are based on what's called a motion for summary judgment. It's a legal argument made by both parties. Now, you have to understand going in that the presumption is that the disability carrier, like Liberty Mutual, is right and you are wrong. You've got an uphill battle to win if the standard of review is called abuse of discretion. And that will impact whether or not the judge can substitute their own judgment for that of the disability carrier. Let me give you an example. I'm going to tell you the story of Mr. Ritter in Ritter versus Liberty Assurance of Boston. Unfortunately, Ritter had an uphill battle all the way. And the issue in this case was really, what's the applicable standard of review? Now, he was employed by Rescare as a quality training liaison. He became disabled as a result of Parkinson's and dementia. His claim was denied and he filed a lawsuit. Ritter claimed that the Kentucky law required what's called a de novo standard of review. That means that the judge can substitute their judgment for that of the disability insurance carrier and aren't uh, limited by a, a golden handcuffs. But the problem in Ritter's case was the language in the policy, and I call it the get out of jail free card language. The language said that liberty shall possess the authority in its sole discretion to construe the terms of the policy and to determine benefits eligibility. Liberty's decision regarding the construction of the terms of this policy and benefit eligibility shall be conclusive and binding. Wow. The court found that this language was a clear grant of discretion and that satisfactory proof language was sufficient in the Sixth Circuit to apply the arbitrary and capricious standard of review. Now, the Kentucky Department of Insurance had it issued an advisory opinion disapproving uh, what's called discretionary clauses. And the court 
federal court said, look, we're not bound by this advisory opinion and reaffirmed that the advisory opinion did not invalidate Liberty's discretionary clause. States that ban discretionary clause have to do that by statute or regulation. And an advisory opinion just doesn't count. So what's clear about this case is that it should have been settled at mediation and not moved uh, move forward for a motion for summary judgment because he lost. He lost everything. The truth is that Liberty will use the discretionary clause to avoid using a deliberate, principled, and reasoned process in handling your claim. Liberty, as most disability carriers do, will hide behind this clause to deny claims knowing that they can get away with an unfair claim denial in federal court. So discretionary clauses that get out of jail free card can make or break your case. That's the truth. In the next segment, I'm going to tell you the story, and I think it's a great story of how Mr. Zaysky overcome a wrongful uh, liberty denial based on an alleged lack of objective basis for the restrictions and limitations assigned by his doctor. Are you a professional with questions about your individual disability policy? You need the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. This book gives you a comprehensive understanding of your disability policy with tips and to-dos regarding your disability application that will assist you in submitting a winning disability application. This is one you won't want to miss. For the next 24 hours, we are giving away free copies of the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. Order yours today at disabilityclaimsforprofessionals.com. Welcome back to Winning Isn't Easy. Sometimes court cases read like mystery stories. Sometimes they read like a fairy tale and other times they read like horror stories. Let me tell you the fairy tale story of how Mr. Zayski overcame a wrongful liberty denial based on an alleged lack of objective basis for his doctor's restrictions and limitations. Look, one of the most common reasons the claims are denied is the argument that there's no objective basis for the restrictions and limitations assigned by the treating physician. Disability carriers will use forms called attending physician statement forms, and they're designed purposefully so they don't ask the right questions. That would lead a doctor to the conclusion that a policyholder is limited to sedentary work or less than sedentary work. Worse yet, Disability carriers like Liberty never ask about non-exertional impairments that are recognized in the Dictionary of Occupational Titles, which is used in most cases to determine whether or not you can work at your own occupation or any other occupation. So what is a non-exertional impairment? That can include the need to alternate sitting and standing. It's the impact of pain or stress on your ability to do your job functions. It's the side effects of medication whether you have good days or bad days, whether you would miss time from work uh, and how much work you would miss every week or every month, and whether or not you could maintain the pace and concentration required of your occupation. So Liberty doesn't ask those questions. In fact, they don't even ask the right questions about the mental and psychological problems you might have because they don't want to know the truth about your physical functioning, your mental functioning, uh, and your social behavior in the workplace. They just don't want to know. Now, if Liberty doesn't like what your doctor has said about your physical abilities, or they're looking for a way to justify a claims denial, Liberty's going to look at the Dictionary of Occupational Titles Strength Level of your occupation. Now, 
For example, if you're a uh, mechanical engineer, it might be uh, a sedentary job, but you spend a lot of time out in the field and it's actually performed at the medium level. What Liberty is going to do is they're going to look at the forms that your doctor has filled out and they're going to say, look, there's no objective basis for what your physician said about your functional capacity or your physician is relying on subjective complaints. So how does this play out? Let's talk about Mr. Zayski. And I think this is a perfect example of a Liberty Mutual claims denial on the basis that there's a lack of uh, objective reasons for the restrictions and limitations aside. In the Zayski versus Liberty Assurance uh, case, um, what happened was that Zayski was a project manager and, and a system strategy risk manager. He observed and uh, dealt with uh, associate customer and supplier behavior around the world. He traveled extensively with consecutive or extended overnight stays. Unfortunately, he became disabled as a result of low back pain and radiculopathy was caused by spinal stenosis. He was prescribed opioids. He had a number of lumbar uh, nerve blocks, but unfortunately they didn't provide him with any pain relief. And as a result, his medication was increased. He applied for and was granted his long-term disability benefits for several months. And in that period of time, he had repeated injections. He was prescribed gabapentin, rabaxin, oxycodone, uh, and unfortunately, none of those medications relieved his pain. All was good for him until Liberty decided it was time for a claims denial, and it employed its usual claims denial strategy. First up was a file review by the infamous Dr. Stuart Glassman, another well-known physician player in the disability carrier stable. Glassman made the usual attempt to speak to multiple treating physicians. When he was unable to speak with them, he opined that while there was evidence of lumbar disc degenerative disease and back pain, there was no evidence of a disc herniation. And I say, who cares? It's not the diagnosis that's the issue. Using spacious reasoning, he opined that Zayski could return to his own occupation and assign medium duty restrictions with no restrictions on sitting or driving. Now, obviously, that's outrageous. The gentleman can't sit. He can't drive. He has difficulty flying. Obviously, he could not perform his own occupation. And despite the repeated comments in the medical records about the side effects of medication, Glassman dismissed them. And unfortunately, you shouldn't be surprised by this. Two weeks after the claims denial, Zayski underwent an MRI that revealed a moderately sized lumbar disc herniation. Now, Liberty upheld the denial on appeal and submitted the updated medical records, including the MRI, to another Liberty peer review provider, Dr. Reeser, who said, okay, here's the herniated disc, and I see the long-term narcotic use. But Reeser, who said that he could work, made no comment about the impact of medication side effects. He opined that Zayski could perform his own occupation with sitting and walking for one hour and standing for 30 minutes. Now, again, Liberty upheld the claims denial and a lawsuit was filed. Fortunately, Judge Brooks held that Liberty abused its discretion because Liberty's peer review physicians ignored objective medical evidence. There was the MRI that showed the herniated disc that they complained about that was missing before. They failed to appreciate that Zasek's condition 
had not improved over time. In fact, it had gotten worse. And Liberty didn't address how the uncontrolled pain impacted his ability to walk, sit, lift, or travel. They failed to address how he could perform his occupational duties in view of that pain. And they failed to re reconcile the conflicting opinions of their own peer review physicians. So what are the lessons learned in dealing with Liberty Mutual? Well, the first lesson is that well-documented medical records are the key. We need to be seeing your subjective complaints, physical examination findings, and diagnostic studies that correlate with those complaints. We need to see objective medical evidence. As I've said, diagnostic studies that confirm the diagnosis and correlate with the nature of your symptoms and complaints and difficulties. We need to make sure that the pain and the medication issues are vocationally addressed. What do I mean? I always have a vocational rehabilitation counselor take on the wrongful claims denial uh, based on the carrier's vocational opinions, which are generally wrong and based on the wrong restrictions and limitations. I want my VE to take on the uh, carrier's vocational evaluator's opinions and to not only address those opinions, but address the opinions uh, of our physicians and, and discuss what impact our treating physicians' opinions about restrictions and limitations have on my client's ability to function and perform their own occupation or any occupation. And attacking conflicting opinions of the peer review doctors is also key. We want to take their medical uh, opinions apart, line by line, issue by issue, opinion by opinion. Those are the tips that I have for Liberty Mutual policyholders and any other uh, disability carriers that you might be confronted with in your claim. Well, that's it for this episode. Please, if you like this podcast, consider liking our page, leaving a review, or sharing it with your friends and family. Remember, this podcast comes out weekly, so tune in next week for another insightful episode of Winning Isn't Easy.